The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast where we talk about every episode of Twin Peaks with different points of view. I am Dave Jackson. I'm joined by Patrick Mahan. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Why can't you just oh. once, hey, just one what, time be cool? What an introduction. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Man, that was stone cold. <laughs> uh, we're gonna find you a tagline. We're gonna find you a thing. Yeah. I need it. I need a thing. You do. Um, we'll get you one. It'll be a good one. I am Thanks. pretty excited. Be the best to talk of all about uh, episode twelve of Twin Peaks, also known as season two, episode five, thirteenth overall. Stop it. <laughs> For any new oh. listeners out there, uh, I like to run down these crazy stats, mostly to annoy Tyler. Uh, first, don't off. call them stats. Um, they are, and um, <laughs> Tyler, of course, has never seen Twin Peaks. This is the most recent episode that he has seen. Never seen one episode. It's decided to start on season two, <laughs> episode five. Well, that's not true, but um, yeah. So uh, Tyler's never seen it. Dave has seen the original series and bits and pieces of the return. Um, when I say bits and pieces, you've seen maybe like six or seven episodes. I think Into the, return. the last one we watched together was the sixth. I got so scared that you were about to just say, like, the scene <laughs> where... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost did. I caught yeah. myself. Yeah. I caught myself. Oh, my God. Because um, there's definitely one that's like, oh, it's that one for sure. Right. But I, I did not. I didn't do it, and I, I won't do it. Yeah, and then I've uh, seen it all, uh, and uh, that's mostly thanks to the brand new From Z to A box set, which you can pick up at your... Uh, Local, local hardware store. DVD station. Um, it's your local gas farm. <laughs> yes. It's your local yes. gas farm. Um, but yes, so this episode is titled The Orchid's Curse. It was directed by Graham Clifford. Uh, he spells his name G-R-A-E-M-E. Graeme. Graeme. It does say uh, it does say he's Australian. This was the only oh, yeah. this was the only episode he directed. Obviously. Um, Phonetically, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. And it was written by Barry Pullman, one writer this time compared to the four writers last week. Um, 
Didn't help. This one's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it doesn't suck. It doesn't. It, I will say I like this episode a lot more than than um, last week's episode. Yeah, actually, I like this episode a lot, actually. Yeah, this one's really, really good. Um, so I'm excited uh, to dive in. Dave, I'm going to let you uh, kick us off. Sure. Uh, yeah, like you said, this is called The Orchid's Curse. I like to call it the one with the Black Ops and Maps. <laughs> it's it's very good, beginning to end. I, I, I love it every time we start with a Cooper Great Northern scene. Oh, and here absolutely. we are again. Yeah, he's he's woken up. He's got amazing bed hair. As always. Yeah. Uh, first thing he does, as he usually starts his mornings, is he hops on his dictophone. Who the hell is Diane? <laughs> you know, we didn't even and, uh, we didn't even uh, hear him talk to Diane in the last episode, did we? He was I don't a. know that there was I don't know that there was a Diane scene last episode. I, don't think I thought we've was. moved on. By the way, speaking Maybe of she his, died uh, in between seasons. Speaking of his bedhead, I actually like that that's been continuity, that that's a thing that keeps happening, is that he's got this great bedhead yeah. when he wakes up. Well, he's got the same cowlick every time, and I think that speaks to, like, his routine. Like, he always he doesn't has move to have things sleeps. a certain way, yeah. It's a great bit of continuity, and I approve of it very strongly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But uh, the first thing he does is uh, get on his recorder and speak to well-known character Diane, who everybody knows. Yeah, and he's I don't know her. He's recording. What? Wait. What? Dude, you know her. Yeah, Diane. You, you you know her. But just like Leland her. knows Bob. <laughs> what? You know her. You know her. You know her. Everybody knows her. Diane Shapiro. She looks like someone, doesn't she? Kind of looks like somebody, doesn't he? <laughs> exactly. Better. Had a hard day today. <laughs> hard day of putting together sound clips for the board. It was a long day. <laughs> He's got he the clip full he, now. He definitely wasn't bored. We're not into the first five seconds of this episode. Cooper <laughs> wakes up, <laughs> talks to Diane, and he's talking about a dream he had where he was chewing on a large, tasteless gumdrop. Confirmation it, that he received his air pillows. Yes. Because that's what he I, I was concerned about. I didn't know if they were going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, he did confirm that he got them. At the end of a couple of previous episodes, said I did receive them. Oh, yeah. Although now true. it seems like the now they're getting put to good use. This yeah. or weird use, weird use because he's snacking on them. Yeah, a little midnight snack attack. Gee, uh, he's still kind of recovering from his gunshot, but yep. uh, he's been doing yoga, and it seems to be taking the pain from his mind. It's not until he inverts himself that he finds uh, the note that had been slipped under his door a couple episodes previous. Final, a couple, man. This was finally the end of. Season yeah, one, four, <laughs> four episodes ago, yeah. or five so episodes like, ago. Sorry, like, yeah. So like four days ago in Twin Peaks world, <laughs> but really it was like a year. Well, no, it was like eight months. I'm sure, yeah. Since we last saw it, <clears throat> yeah. In real time, yeah, and it's even been labeled differently. <laughs> yeah. Time changes everything, man. Time yeah, the letter is, is interesting. Letter says my special agent again. It, it did just say Agent Cooper and broke continuity, but now it's back. Maybe it's a different letter. Guys, listen. I Hey, I'm ready. Are you saying Maybe. there were two letters? She's had two visions. Um, <laughs> Maybe oh. there's two letters. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, there's two maps. So What? There's two maps this episode. There are there are two maps. You watched it. You wa- you watched this you, episode. I ha- I think I have a bunch of notes. Did you note them? <laughs> did you note the maps? Did you write anything about maps? Uh, not once. The, the lazily drafted maps. 
It's a oh, map. like the like the blueprints. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need a map of a house that's two rooms. Yeah. Two rooms large. Right. It's For a sure. map. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he finds the note and deduces that she has gone to One-Eyed Jacks, and that's likely where she still is. That's yeah, the place. Because so. why did she, she is a detective? Why did she encode the note? Why didn't she just say, "Yo, going to Jacks"? Yo, be sure to pick me up in case <laughs> somebody else found it. Yeah. But who else is gonna find it? The waiter. Yeah, he, yes. he could have really thrown a wrench in the works. So uh, we got a, we got another hawk update. Hawk talk. There were a little more hawk talk. <laughs> when is that segment coming in? <laughs> we gotta get Michael Horse on the program. Yeah. Can we Skype him in? Will Will he just Skype in? Maybe. Yeah, I bet he uses Skype. Hawk comes in and his news is that there is no news, pretty much. That there are uh, there are a couple school teachers that lived next door to the Palmers and they have no recollection of any gray haired man ever living in the area. He pretty well gets just kind of dismissed after he doesn't really bring them any information. Thanks, yes. Hawk. Yeah. Thanks, Hawk. <laughs> For nothing. I feel like he has been in the background a lot this season. Yeah, well that's that's to set up his triumphant moment. <laughs> of it's five true. seconds. Yes. <laughs> yes. Five amazing what, seconds. What a five seconds. That's true. We figure out that Lucy is on her way out of town. But uh, yeah, she says she's going to stay with some family, that they had a baby, and she's going to be staying with them for a bit. Uh, she left a number to reach her, and she was going to wait around until the can-do temp showed up. Can-do girl. Yeah. But uh, Harry assures her they've got it under control and ushers her out. Uh, they don't have it under control, and he's going to be the one fielding the phone calls, and he's going to have a hard time of it. I can't wait to see how that works out. Anyway, so uh, anybody want to talk about uh, Bobby and Shelley with Mr. Pinkle? I can't. <laughs> you have uh, before to. before that though. Doesn't doesn't Cooper tell Harry about? Uh, yes, he knows where Audrey is. Yeah, the information yes. from uh, yeah. So Cooper tells Harry he knows where Audrey is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not already know this from from before? Or was that just not that wasn't known? I guess I don't think they knew it was One Eyed Jacks. No, he, he knew she was being held captive, but he didn't know because where. He was gonna Sometimes I get confused because we know stuff that he doesn't know. Well, I'll, I'll keep you in line. <laughs> yeah, I for sure. That. Um, Thanks, Coop. No, he said because he he just said that he was going to meet him at the carousel. Well, let's move on yep. and talk about uh, everyone's favorite insurance rep, Tim Pinkle. What's the device? The Liftomatic. Liftomatic five thousand. Liftomatic five thousand, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it is. it's a it's... special kind of equipment that they'll use to move uh, anyone who is uh, impaired around uh, the house. Uh, when you are a vegetable, uh, this is the device that you call that one eight hundred number on your screen for. It. What it looks like is the machine when they lower the goat into the Tyrannosaurus pit yeah. in Jurassic Park. Yes. It's just that machine, but smaller. Maybe that's where Steven Spielberg got the idea. I mean, he was a Twin Peaks fan, so maybe he yeah. saw this because this was Interesting. prior he to He was Jurassic watching this Park. episode. <laughs> was it, that, wasn't... that whole thing is what sparked the, the entire movie. Spark, hey, you know what would be cool is if this device was used to lower a goat into a dinosaur's cage. There's got to be a movie there, and then it, he did it. There definitely wasn't a book about it before. Michael um, Crichton? No thanks. Never heard of her. <laughs> oh, man. So this thing doesn't work. No, it does not. (laughs) It does not work. But when it does, it does. Boy, howdy. There's no turning it off. Adley, Bob, Adley. I like that uh, Bobby's cover story is that this is his dear cousin, Leo, that he wants to not harm. Yeah, we're trying to keep him alive. (laughs) The way he says that (laughs) is like... I told you we need him alive. (laughs) 
It's like super greaser. It was we- really weird. Well, we're finally getting episode one Bobby back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to be yeah. a street tough. <laughs> <laughs> and as intimidating as he was before. Yeah. Which is not at all. I love it. That's true. Though I did, when I was looking for sound bites earlier, I saw the Donna scene where Mike yells Donna. I watched the fight happen. And I didn't, I didn't realize that Bobby just runs up and starts wailing on. Yeah, lights on, out, Grease Monkey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a nice refresher. It's so funny. But yeah, the, so Pinkle himself gets caught in the tr- contraption and gets swung back and forth while Bobby and Shelly just kind of leave him to Which his own hilarious. device. Yeah, and he's getting like knocked around. Like, yeah, I see some, I see some, <laughs> some lawsuits happening with <laughs> this device. It, where is? Where was that at Shelly's house? It yeah, it's finally the bedroom we haven't seen. <laughs> I, I couldn't. We were always wondering with all the finished walls. This is the nice yeah. section. There's a separate the door outside on the other side of the washer and dryer to get into the bedroom. Interesting. That would be inconvenient. <laughs> so you had to go outside <laughs> to go around to another door to get into your bedroom. So I was rewatching this episode to be fresh, and Katie asked me why they were holding court. At a bar. Because it's awesome. It's obviously the only place that's tall enough to accommodate for the boom mic. Listen, when you are a large small town such as Twin Peaks, you you only have so much room for buildings. They don't have a courthouse. That's why they hold all of their sessions at the local Bang Bang Bar, a.k.a. the Roadhouse. As you would, I suppose, but there's a police station. Is there not like a conference room? There's a police there station. There is a conference yeah. room. We've seen that's that. Where, they don't want to go there because that's where Waldo there's, died. Here's the thing. Uh, they, yeah, listen, Judge Sternwood you know. uh, likes to have a drink, and there is a conveniently placed bar at the Roadhouse. Uh, there's not a bar at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. You can't get a, a uh, bar of donuts. Er day. What's it called? The Black Yukon... Three black Yukon sucker punches. Black Yukon sucker, sucker punches. punches. Which Cooper does not drink. He doesn't drink it. He looks he at it a lot. No, he does not drink it. And he starts he gives to it a lift whiff. it up in the very last scene before they cut. But he does. you never see him take a drink. So I don't think he ever took a drink. That, of course, is in our second court hearing. We need to talk about the very first session uh, involving Leland Palmer, who was pled not guilty to murdering Jacques Renault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. By the Mr. plea of uh, it's what temporary insanity. Yeah, in the last so, episode. So Doc and Harry pretty much say that he's a good man, he's well liked, and that nobody can know what it's like to lose a daughter. So for all intents and purposes, they're saying temporary insanity. Yes, for all intents and purposes, it was an act of passion, and basically he can't be fully held accountable. That's right. And the other side of the coin is his lack of control multiple displays of instability how he just you know he dotes and does he dotes doesn't help his case i think he's full psycho somebody dance with me <laughs> you may not be completely well my guy i'm sorry no i think uh leland palmer is a hoot i think he's i think he's something i love how he is in all these scenes too uh even with the you know, he's so willing to just go along. He's like, yes, I know what I've done. He's like kind of, well, he's a kind lawyer, of smile. Yes. Yeah, he kind of smiles. He's like, ah, oh, yes. You know, like he's just yeah. <laughs> agreeing with everything. Well, he, he is representing himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so Judge Sternwood changes his mind, reverses his decision about Leland. Leland will Had be, he made a... he'll have to stay in town. He pretty much says, don't leave town, Yeah, but you don't have to go to jail right now. And Leland is pleased with this. Yeah, they set another think... court date. 
Yeah. Which Ben Horn's well, yeah. there and yep. eating peanuts, Pete and he just leaves like before anything is said. He's like, "Yeah, I'm leaving." Yeah, why? Yeah, so I. <laughs> yeah, why is Ben Horn always around? <laughs> I don't know. Was it? I guess part of that makes me feel like he was just checking in on his like lawyer. Like now he has this chance to still be around, and he's not going to be in jail for the time being. Mm-hmm. Right. So he he might be able to like help out with whatever. Well, in a way, stuff he, they have he, going yeah, he on. might be kind of looking after his investments. Right. Like, I don't think he's there as a friend. I think right. he's just keeping an, an eye out on. Well, please kill. Please kill with. Leland is already on his mind. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, true. that's true. So yeah, he's probably just there to kind of see how this goes, so yeah. he can he can plan accordingly. Right. For his own self, which is kind of the horn way. I just thought it was interesting they chose to focus on the shot of Ben leaving. Just, mm-hmm. I like the shot where he threw that peanut. Up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Also, with the you know. judge, uh, Judge Sternwood changing his mind. I wonder, uh, but he didn't say he was going to be like the whole the whole thing of this hearing is about uh, his bail. What tells me that he always wanted to make the decision he made is that when he goes to deliberate, he only invites Harry and Cooper over. Right. Not or three sucker punches, black Yukon sucker punches. He does not invite the uh, prosecutor, so he's he's all, he's Mr. literally picked sides. Daryl Ludwig, yeah, Logwood, Logwood, <laughs> yeah, Daryl Logwood. Yeah, he's but he says that he won't uh, grant him bail, like in the right. yeah in the last scene. But mm-hmm. now he's saying he's basically that he's oh. free. He, he's on he's on town <laughs> arrest. Yeah. <laughs> Not even house arrest. He's just like you are confined like, to this small, large town. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like you're good. So that makes just me chill. wonder if, like, what the you know what the pl- if that was actually the plan or if this was just oh we didn't like Jerry Stahl's writing we're gonna <laughs> go <laughs> in this other direction. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah uh, this, this guy went ah oh, Jerry no. <laughs> like uh, something Rise like, of Skywalker. Yeah, something or, exactly. Yeah, so Last I mean, Jedi. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard. Either, either way, but I've heard, but I've heard enough to, to know what you're saying. So yes, so in <laughs> similar to that situation, yes, yeah, this is a mm-hmm. correction, a rerouting, a lot of retconning. Retconning was yeah, the word we, I was looking for. We we for sure jumped hard ahead <laughs> <laughs> to Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, it's a very busy day at the Roadhouse. We have two court sessions. She's had two visions. Yes. Thank you, Tyler. She's had um, two court The second one involving um, <laughs> our dear sessions. friend, uh, Leo Johnson. Oh, Veggie Johnson. I don't understand <laughs> why this is even happening. <laughs> a matter to deal with. Yeah. This is this is one of those B-plots that doesn't, doesn't seem like a big deal. We just have a whether or not Leo can stand trial, because isn't he being accused of the murder of Lara in this one? Yeah. Yeah. And is is this the one where they they go and do the drinks? Yes. Okay. So it's because Sternwood asks Coop if he thinks Leo killed the girl. Yeah. So I completely <laughs> just put both sessions in a blender and picked and chose it's, what I remember. It's hard to differentiate. Yeah. When it's yeah, it's it's two different cases, but they're both in the same place and they're in the same episode. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to keep straight. It's okay. We didn't write the show. We did not write the show. But if we had, it might go a little something like what you just heard. Yeah. And we are we are not experts. Yeah, we're not we're not here to say we're the authorities. I feel like I'm pretty close. You're you're getting there. Yeah. You're getting educated. We're just three guys having a good time. Just talking about guys. the show. Trying to get our plot points straight. <laughs> That's right. 
So I get, uh, I get, I get got, the vibe that uh, Judge Sternwood kind of doesn't care so much about this and is just like, you know what? I just want to talk to Truman and Cooper about their opinions on this because they seem to know more about Leo Johnson than, than I do. I just want absolutely. to leave and go hang out then with Then this Sid. one guy who just showed up and Judge Sternwood who also just showed up. Yes, mm-hmm. they do know more. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just defer to their knowledge in the first place and why go through all this rigmarole so anyway so we talked about this just briefly a minute ago but i wanted to bring it up again the black yukon sucker punch drink um there's uh a great recipe for it over on Mm -hmm. punchdrink.com um that specifically points out that you know it was in the fifth episode of season two um i'd like to read the ingredients if you don't mind please all right so this is a split level drink with a tar-colored bottom and a foamy blue upper, a New York City bartender named Maxwell Britton brought this cocktail to life. Um, it's got two ounces bourbon, one ounce sweet vermouth, coffee-infused, uh, preferably Carpano Antica, uh, one teaspoon cream de cacao, and uh, blue curacao whipped cream. Uh, and then it has a whole recipe. So head on over to punchdrink.com, look up the Black Yukon Sucker Punch. There's actually a pretty sweet image of the drink sitting in the red room. It's beautiful. It looks tasty and i think we should make them do they sell that at the bookhouse we're gonna have to ask them shout out to the bookhouse pub so sternwood (laughs) advises cooper to keep his eyes on the woods yes the woods are wonders here but strange it's a good quote now i i I just have to ask oh what the fuck does that mean (laughs) so sternwood from the time that he has shown up has seemed like a weird kind of guru-y type similar to cooper but like almost in a just like like his his whole view is a whole different spirituality like he's way into valhalla but he yeah he's he's got some kind of weird spiritual mumbo jumbo happening with him as well and very similar i I think similarly to how the log lady spoke to garland briggs him saying this to cooper is i know you know what i mean yo just heads up cowboy yeah like a rhinestone cowboy i thought you were about to (laughs) hit the soundboard and go like a rhinestone cowboy no that was once my no it wasn't it was tight fitting jeans just kidding Conway Twitty. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting that, too, that said somehow, well, I guess she's not really the bartender, but there's no one, I guess there's no bartender on duty there to just make drinks. So Sid just walks over. And no, well, not during drinks. court, no. <laughs> no, that would be unprofessional. Yeah. Sid's the court bartender as well as mm-hmm. the law clerk. She's a jack of all trades. And the alcohol yes, clerk. At least two trades. One all. A, a one eyed jack of all trades. No. This is also where <laughs> Cooper tells Judge Sternwood that he does not think that Leo, uh, is the murder of Laura Palmer. Yeah, pretty definitively. Yeah. Rules him out. Yeah, so he's he never did believe it. No. And neither did I. But the glass broke. Yeah. Yeah, and those things did lead them to a few Maybe clues. the glass was referencing Leo's brain. Yeah, it it's definitely broke. All <laughs> okay. right, so Tyler tell us about this uh this next scene. Um Martin Short mm-hmm. is having some wine. Harold Smith. Harold Smith is having some wine. By himself. As he does. All the time. At all times. I think, since he's an alien, that <laughs> he, he, um, that's like Dave, his, did you, know, you, did you tell him? His, his. Did you tell him? <laughs> did you tell, did you tell Tyler? No, but he what? definitely, he talks like, he talks like an alien who has watched people talk on TV and learned that way. Yeah. And this specific species lives off of wine. Um, this strain. Yes. Um, I don't really know what else happens other than Donna shows up. Yeah, she shows up with his meals that are on wheels. 
and um, she uh, shares she wants uh, to some of her life stories. She wants um, to add herself to his living novel. Right. Well, she does this in exchange to hear Harold speak. Uh, she wants read to, she wants more to of read Laura's it. secret diary. Yeah. Uh, but he he but doesn't really he, like that. He says, "I'll read it to you." Uh, <laughs> alien, but I'm not going to let you have it. It can't leave my house, just like I can't yeah. leave right. my house. Right. Uh, Harold and the book are one and the same. Yeah, it's like if it leaves the house, I can't have it, and he can't handle that. Yeah, that's um, true. So Donna somehow agrees to this, since I mean, she at least gets to hear what she. Well, what she's got Laura a Palmer she's wrote. got a plan. Yeah, she's got a plan already. Well, I don't know if she's already thinking of her plan or if she works that out afterwards but yeah but this is where she gets to see where he keeps uh the secret diary uh it's a special doohickey there is a doohickey <laughs> yes. her, her words to describe this there's like, do- there's like a doohickey <laughs> um yeah that propels it open um mm-hmm. what's and- it flop yeah and so then uh okay there are is- there are so many books in this secret shelf yeah this is not They're his from different planets. Yeah, this is not his first time doing this, and it will not be his last. Well, I mean, I I just assumed that it was from his friends and lovers, lovers and maybe one day Donna. I gotta call bullshit on the lovers. Like, <laughs> I know I know that Donna is a different kind of person, but I doubt there have been enough people in Harold Smith's life that have stayed indoors with him long enough and stayed to get to know him long enough to feel any kind of romantic affection for him before he starts trying to show them his plants and talk about <laughs> labellums. My gosh, he could be like head tour guide of a Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit. <laughs> like 100%. Yep, you're right. Yes, curator. I do love that we finally get to see what happens to Harold if he leaves his house. So Donna asks Harold where he grew up. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me hate him even more. This is so pretentious. I wanted to punch the TV. I have heard people actually Spoiler alert, actually this talk. This is why I had to get a new TV. So what, so um, so did this actually change your ranking of your favorite new characters? Out why of do the you three? Keep a, Acting like he's one of my favorite characters. Because you said out of the three new characters, he was your favorite. What were the other two? <laughs> Jean Renault and oh, Dick sucks. Dick Tremaine. Oh, yeah, he sucks too. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess so. If we're choosing the lesser of three evils, then yeah. it, it might be Harold Smith. Favorite is not a word I would choose. But he says he grew up in Boston. Well, actually, well, well, hold on. I grew up in books. Douche. The cringe. The cringe that took my body over Get at that line. the fuck out of here. I do not need you in this show anymore. But Donna's into it. Yeah. Or is putting on the impression that she's into it. I feel like she's very much playing a role in these interactions. I think her end game is just to get Laura's secret diary. Yes. Which was the name of the last episode. But barely... It should have been the name of this episode. <laughs> Absolutely, it should have. I agree 100% with that. What does Donna say about uh, about what Harold has to say here, Tyler? Uh, maybe our dreams are real. Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Talking about the note you have in all caps right in front of you. Maybe our dreams are real. And that is nuts. I had a dream. I had a dream that I was in a Nerf gun firefight, but the darts were actually lethal. So just two nights ago, just guns that were painted like Nerf guns. No, Nerf guns that shot Nerf darts. But if if the Nerf dart hit you, you would die. 
That sounds so dangerous. If, so if you have an one of the like speed loader eliminator nerf pistols, you could actually murder somebody. Cool. It was pretty sick. Yeah. It was a great dream. So Tyler, you say well, you maybe can't comprehend uh, dreams being real. I mean, it's already kind of been established in this show that they are. Like, for example, when the Give giant comes to meet Cooper, it's clearly real because he took his ring. That's one. Just keep watching. Cooper was, for real, chewing on something tasteless. Yeah. Exactly. That's two. And there are more to come. Uh <laughs> So I, yeah, Donna says something about our maybe our dreams are real as in trying to play to to Harold's good side. And while but he's kind of off guard, what does what does she say that in reference to? What does he say? I didn't write that down. He he's still talking about growing up in books, <laughs> and uh, and saying that you know his, he's basically built his reality around his dreams oh, and yeah. escapism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. I even wrote down that Harold is an alien. <laughs> That's my next note. But while he's off guard, she snags the diary and takes it outside and kind of coaxes him out. It's like, yeah, if you want to come get it, agoraphobe. Yeah. Come outside like I know you hate to do because this is neat to do to somebody. Donna's a bully. Donna, Donna really bullies him here. And he comes outside and does what agoraphobes don't do and just collapses under the weight of the sun. <laughs> yeah, just like it reminded me of convulses like signs and- like when they threw the water on the aliens and they were like... <laughs> So there was one time in the living room of my parents' house when I was living with them as a child where there was a big spider, a really big spider. And I I did what any child of seven would do, and I went and got two full cans of Raid that were on the carport. Yeah. I brought them back inside. I found the spider again, and I hosed it down with a full can of Raid. It didn't die. I started to hose it down with a second can of Raid, and it finally kind of crumpled to one side, rolled onto its back. Pretty sure it gave me the finger. <laughs> it sounds and like it then, then proceeded to like rigor mortis and curl up and die. And that is what Harold Smith reminded me of in this moment. Wow. A, a violent convulsing locking up of the limbs. That really paints a picture. Yeah. Um, nice visual. Yeah. I, I almost thought that he was, he was faking it. <clears throat> well, he's, he's acting. He's not. This is a role. I would not call what he does acting. Um, Wait, are you talking no, about I, Harold Smith or are you talking about Martin Short? Anyways, I th- <laughs> I think that he was faking that to get the diary back because he grabs the diary when he's on the ground and he kind of looks back up at Donna. Well, let's talk about what's really important here where Big Ed brings Nadine home from the hospital. So many questions. Fun Actually, fact about this, maybe, this is maybe when maybe James one. interacts with her, correct? Yes. 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 I read this fun fact and I never noticed it before and I was re-watching it um, yesterday and I actually saw it without even thinking about it. Cause it's not like this was on my mind, but right when James kind of cuts the corner, there's all these like kind of figurines on shelves and there's one, it's kind of like a ceramic figure and it has an eye patch on it. Mm-hmm. He just walks by it. And I just saw it out of the corner of my eye. I was like, Oh yeah, I read about that. So there are a couple shots like this where there is something in view that's interesting that just kind of gets glossed over mm-hmm. because you're being distracted by another visual. Right, because your your focus it, is on James Hurley. Right. And then, of course, it's on Nadine, who right. comes in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. She came in like a wrecking ball. But I was just and surprised I even noticed she, it without... I wasn't looking for it. Yeah, she comes in and does not recognize him, which is, to be fair, she's regressed in her head back to high school age. Yeah. And too bad she didn't get that eye back. 
Didn't re- didn't regress her eye back. It kind of it kind of sends her on her way. <laughs> Doc said to roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and James is like, no, she needs to go to another doctor. <laughs> like she needs to go see Jacoby. Jacoby's in Hawaii recovering yeah. from what was it? Just uh, from from the heart attack. Yeah, that's right. He actually had a serious condition. Yes. So he goes to his house in Hawaii. He goes to his happy place. Uh, but uh, Nadine comes back. I, if I were Ed, I would have already thought about all of these scenarios, I feel like. If something like this happened you know, to my wife, I, would, I already would have already been thinking like, oh my gosh, she's going to think of this person or this person or, you know. I think you're only making plans about this in case it happens to your wife because you've seen it happen on Twin Peaks. I mean, maybe, yeah, I but I, but I, I, I don't count on it. You say that, but I, has I these really contingencies think, yeah, in but, place. but I feel like he's had enough time to have already like thought like, okay, like, it's only been like two days. Yeah. It's been like a day that's, since she left the hospital. That's plenty he, He's of bringing time. her home from the hospital now. That's plenty of time in a world without cell phones. That's plenty of time without any distractions. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's plenty distracted. I think his wife just super blasted out of her gurney and needs to be under 24 seven watch. That's where that's where that's where Big Ed and I are different. You're right. You're a Jack, and I am a Jack, and Steeple Jacks are we. <laughs> so that's where we are. That's yes. that was one of my damn fine line contenders, right? Because it's awesome. Because it, yeah, it gives me a, a twin peak inside the life of a a '70s high schooler. Yeah, in twin. Peaks. Well, you were in just excited peaks. to finally hear a Steeple Jacks reference after all of this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one of you brought up wondering what the high school mascot was a, for Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I said it was Steeplejacks after some research, and yeah, so it was nice to actually hear it mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't he just? Yeah, he just says her parents are out of town. Yeah, is that right? And then like, she oh, runs uh, off, runs off town. to the kitchen, and yeah, she buys doing it. her cheer. Then we hear this big loud crash. And she comes back into the room. She's holding, I guess, like a, a cabinet door. It's it's the refrigerator door. I thought it was the refrigerator door, but when I went back, or when I watched it again, I was like, that's not a refrigerator door. But It, it looks to me like an old-timey refrigerator door. To yeah, me, like old, it looks like the old like 50s, your grandparents would have. like metal cabinets. I can see that, too. But it, do, it doesn't matter. She tore it off, yeah. <laughs> whatever it was. She tore it right off the hinges. It just fell right off. But then I don't understand why... This happened because obviously whatever she she was holding is light, right? But they did the weird camera speed up. Yeah, they like speeds up the camera for two seconds. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> like to, to just like jerk it. it. Like threw the... me off. I was like, it's li- like she can just lift it up. And so I'll, I don't. Okay, so I've noticed this in I, I've noticed the first time I ever saw it was in Friends, and they did it I think like two or three times. And I think they're just speeding it, speeding things up to finish the scene for a time count of the episode. I feel be. like we could have found another second somewhere. Right. But I also yeah. think no, it's I, a, the I think it's a, it could also be a thing where either the editors or directors or whoever's call is trying to, let's make it Lynchian. Let's, you know, David Lynch isn't directing this, but let's just make it weird for the sake of, you know, being weird because we can get away with it because it's Twin yeah. Peaks. That's what people expect from this show. If it was to evoke a reaction, they got it. it. It worked on me. Yeah, they got it. I remember here yeah, because the first time I saw it, I saw it and I was like, well, that was weird. It's like, yeah, but that's this show. But what like. I don't like is when I see something like that and it makes me think, am I okay? <laughs> are you? I don't want that. Are you okay? Turns Ty- out I'm fine. Tyler, now. Tyler, are you all right? No. <laughs> am I misremembering or is there like a growl sound that plays too and it plays yeah. like sped up? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? 
Patrick lost it. Don't question it. Let it happen. Yeah, it plays a real fast one second sped up clip of her lifting the fridge door and there's a growl sound. Listen, yeah. personally. Like a, like a wild cat, like a jungle cat. Personally, I love it. It it's reminds like me of MacGruber. Yeah. Every time there's an explosion, there's a jaguar. <laughs> yeah. Growl. Five seconds, MacGruber. It's so good. Uh, yeah, so what? what's up with that? Don't question it. I love it. It's time to talk about Empty Wince. Cash. We're back to uh, we're back to the Great Northern. Empty who? Empty Wince. <laughs> we got Ben Horn in the Great Northern coming into his office where he is met by the mysterious check-in man from last episode who we believed to be Empty Wince. And a woman. And a woman. Speaking like a Japanese man. This is Mr. Tojimura. He is in there. He's got his man with him. Representative of an Asian investment firm. Right, yeah. Making an offer on the, or for the Ghostwood project. Mm-hmm. They have superior offer. And they are ready to move. Five million. Ooh. Yeah, and he I think Ben's ready to take that check. I think so. Who wouldn't want it? (laughs) But I still am kind of, whatever kind of actual business Ben Horn is in right now, like I'm not invested in any part of that. So this whole thing confuses me. I don't know what Ghostwood Estates means for anything at this point. Is that the same thing with the the Icelandic people? Yeah, this this Mr. Tojimura is just rolling in, snaking the deal. But didn't they already finish that deal? The deal's sealed, but he just came in and said, yo, here's way more money. Tokyo Bank's ready to move. Let's do this thing. And Ben says, okay. Is this person in contact with Jonathan and Josie? It's unclear. Fair point. Because last time we saw a secret Asian man, he was indeed tied to the other Asian character. This is is a fair assumption based on the way the show is written. Yeah. So I do think for some reason that Tojimura is a woman. Even (coughs) even if the character is a man... You think it's played I by a woman? I think the actor, or Tress, is a woman. That's fair. Well, it's fair. Mr. Tojimura. Tojimura. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to finish that thought? Or <laughs> I think he was just saying that it was Mr. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing yeah Bobby's at the Great Northern he's following Hank as he walks down the hall he's like inconspicuously ducking behind walls what? Bobby's Bobby's at the Great Northern following Hank I love that scene because I love it yeah because he's following Hank and then he goes and kind of hides and then Cooper comes down the hall with his whistle Uh, something about that scene just really makes me laugh just because it's, it's so random interactions. Goofy. And, or, yeah. They're not even interactions because they don't interact. It's just random people snooping around. <laughs> yeah, it's just goofy. It's very goofy. I love it, though. It, uh, Hank's on his way to meet up with Ben. Yeah. And uh, they're going to formulate a game plan. That was confusing to me because Ben's in his office with Mr. Tojimura. Tojimura, yes. And then Hank just pops in and says, Coop's on his way. And then he leaves. And I was like, is that seriously it? But then he came back. But I thought that was like, what's the point of that? Well, he like sticks him in a secret hidey hole as because you know they've got him. Oh, yeah. Sticks him in a hidey hole in Those the office. horny hidey holes. So Cooper comes in and he basically gives him the rundowns like, yo, here's cash money. This is where he gives him the briefcase. Yes. Of money. And money. 125,000 smackers. Yeah. So I paused it on the, the clip of the cash in the suitcase. Wait, he throws the note in? Yeah. Yeah, not not to read the note, but to count no. the money, um, <laughs> and the straps of bills are in such weird amounts because, like, normally a strap of a hundred hundreds is ten thousand dollars, but everybody knows that. Yeah. Some of them, I used to work at a bank, <laughs> <laughs> but some of them were like two thousand, fifteen hundred. I think one was five thousand. I assure you, something gets lost in translation. Like, so some of those were like this big. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it really removed me from the sh- the realism of the show. Well, it was 
So once Cooper has his instructions, he dips out, and Ben kind of knocks on the hidey hole door, and Hank comes back out, and the whole plan is that he wants Cooper to not come back, the briefcase, and Audrey all in one swoop. Yes. If you can bring the suitcase back. If you can manage it. Yeah. But he pretty much has told Hank that he wants him to take out Cooper, bring back Audrey and the case. Which he does a poor job of. He just like, I think he's like five feet away from him. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to call and say, uh, no, they got away. (laughs) Yeah, the, yeah, he sees them successfully. I, like, literally no closer than we are now. It's like, it's like, like, ah, yeah, ah sorry, yeah. boss. They, they, they did a great job. What can I say? <laughs> These guys are fucking professional. They struck like lightning, <laughs> like Mary Poppins. They left with the wind. <sighs> so, if we're talking black ops, then we're talking Maddie and Donna. Mm, boy, are we. So they are planning this thing out like a Rainbow Six mission. They've got a full floor plan of Harold Smith's house, which, again, two rooms. Yes. But the greenhouse and the, the other room. <laughs> they do go into such specifics as there is a doohickey where, yes. th- where there are books. Doohickey. Which opens the hidden compartment where Laura's diary is. Mm-hmm. It's smaller than the others. Yeah, it's one of those. Grab that. Yeah. Can't miss it. This plan can't fail. No, it can't. No, seriously, this plan is so easy. I will distract the man who lives in the house, come in when I signal you, do exactly what I said to do, and walk out the door. Because you know where he can't go? Out the door. It's so easy. Even just, like, throw it out the door. What's he going to do, rake you to death? I don't think so. (laughs) A monkey that knows sign language could do this mission. Donna is no better than a monkey. Nor is Maddie. She's a little better than Donna, though. <laughs> but she does freeze at the slightest sign of pushback. That's very true. Like a cockroach with the lights flipped on. Just, what do I do? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Yeah, Jean has fast traveled back to One-Eyed Jacks. Where he, he has fashioned himself a, a full-on doohickey. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's another doohickey. It can only be described as a doohickey. It's yeah. one of those uh, Assassin's Creed wrist knives that shoots out. I reach out for the briefcase and <laughs> Thank you, stab Luke. some strawberries. <laughs> Thank you, Missile Cooper. <laughs> the way he does it is just so bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I wish with the big guys. <laughs> and then I cut the sleeve of his jacket. <laughs> yeah, what's the plan here, John? Like, you're going to put a blade, like, maybe nick his arm or it, something? It doesn't extend past his palm. Come on, guys. He's, he's a Renault. I mean, the main plan is to, you know, bite the bullet. Bite the bullet, baby. <laughs> that is the master plan. Yep. <laughs> the Renault family, uh, it's on the Renault family crest. <laughs> I don't think they have a crest. <laughs> there needs to be one, and we need to make that happen. Yes, that, that will be the art. 
Also, hey, real quick, new character. We have Blackie's sister, Nancy. Nancy. Is that her sister? That, that's her sister. All right. Uh, apparently, this is also another side scheme where Nancy's trying to get control of One-Eyed Jacks, and Jean is going to help her do it. And I don't know how many pies he has his finger in, but this is a layer. Back to the sheriff's station. Yeah, Patrick, what's Andy up to here? Oh, Andy's up to a whole lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> he is taking notes on... <clears throat> Every single... Oh, no, I have I have something to say. <laughs> in... who Who is this girl's name? Please? Nancy? Yeah. Nancy. Um, Jean asks if, does the girl sleep? And she says, dreamland. And this made me think. <laughs> <laughs> Donna mentioned earlier that maybe dreams are real. Yes. And then I became confused. <laughs> trying to make something out of nothing. I, think- I never did it. But I'm still confused. I think that's the convention is let's drop all these doubles, make it look like there's a connection, even if there's not. Yep. It's it's like when Jerry Horn says, is this real Ben or some strange and twisted dream? Mm. What? <laughs> that was I'm pretty sure that was when I said too, I said you need to take a shot every time dreams are mentioned. Because they're mentioned a lot. Anyway, back at the sheriff's right. station, Andy is uh, playing receptionist. Um, he, yes. he is the can-do girl. He is taking notes on every single post-it note that they have in the office. And um, he decides to take a moment. I guess he's got uh, an ounce of free time after all these messages. Um, that he decides mm-hmm. to call uh, the doctor to get his semen analysis. And, yeah. Um, his diagnosis was oligospermia. Uh, yep, oligospermia. Um, too few sperms. Oligo- too few sperms in layman's terms. <laughs> yes. Um, basically, Andy is a whole damn town, and he is love excited it. about this news. What I loved about that is that if there was ever a time to play the clip. Is that that whole conversation where she's explaining that and she asks what or if he understands what she's telling him. And he says, it means they're not really people. And then he gets cut off and I was like, I don't think he understands what she's saying. I have to go, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that too. I actually laughed at that really hard and Katie thought I was nuts. And that's not the only thing going on at the... Uh... Sheriff Station. Cooper and Truman are making a plan for One-Eyed Jacks. Um, With another blueprint. Yeah, Hawk uh, rolls in and they. he just basically says that uh, nobody's seen the one-armed man, Bill Gerard. With no news. Yeah, no news there. More no news. They also quickly hide what they're working on and Truman's Harry pretty... really rushes in. Yeah, yeah, Truman's yeah. pretty quick to tell him, you know, like, have a good night. And I love that Cooper just yep. gives him, like, the side stare until he leaves the room, like, is he gone? <laughs> Yeah, I just don't know why they would. Very I don't aware. Know. I mean, <laughs> at this point, just just invite him along, whatever. But it's fine. He's like, "We'll see you in the morning." He's yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna back out slowly. I guess the other news there was that Hawk uh, found drugs. More of the drugs, like that he found in the station bathroom in Philip Jarn's room. Yeah, more of the same yeah. drugs, and uh, they know what hotel he's staying in. And I was confused here. Albert's got this already. He had the, he had the first 
Oh, he took the first sample with him. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. He's still analyzing that. Got it. So they're waiting on those results, and they have more of the same. Uh, it has a deep smell, Hawk notes. Mm, yeah, and then deep Harry smell. just buries his face in it. Says, we'll see you in the morning. Yep. Um, and Hawk looks back. He does. Which I didn't yeah. think about until the second time I watched it. Yeah, he knows something. I see you. I see you. You guys are doing something. Part of me thought that Harry... He was watching him like a hawk. Was, was like, saying that as, like, some kind of Buckhouse Boys code or something. Ooh. Hawk, I'll see you in the morning. And then he like walks away and looks Wink. back. Wink. Yeah. That's an interesting you know. thought and take. That's that. that's interesting. I never even thought of that. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, they, they think they know where Audrey is being held at One-Eyed Jacks because there's a an area that's under construction. So that's where they're going to make their approach and that is the plan. Uh, this is the other thing I wanted to bring up is the next shot with Andy. So he's going through all these post-its and he finds a number with names circled that are supposed to be uh, the relatives Lucy is staying with. And I guess she left these names to kind of hide the fact that she has this particular number saved. But what it does is draw attention for Andy. And as he's kind of running his hand along the table, all these post-its, there's what looks like a hangman puzzle filled out that is Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R. And it's the only thing you can see on this board that isn't covered with post-its. I didn't see it. I just thought that was really I was looking at all the post-its. Exactly. Your gaze didn't is distracted by the post pretty interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. But uh, he calls that number and realizes that it's the actually the number for the Adams Abortion Clinic. Oh, no. Which they just, it's, that apparently is what they're just called. Just Adams Abortion Clinic, that's all we do. Oh, my God. Back to the double R. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, Maddie uh, is picking up some coffee to go. Who happens to be sitting there, Tyler? Hi, uh, James. Of course, having dinner all by his lonesome. Uh, it was such. It was. I think that's the most innocent he's ever sounded. He doesn't sound mopey. No, he seems hi. seems a little excited to see Maddie, but he interrogates a little too hard about someone's purchasing a coffee. He does. Is a, a large coffee to go, please? Like very nosy. What's the coffee for Uncle Leland? No, no you don't have coffee, coffee at home. She says she doesn't have time to talk. Right, I've got to go. For James. Uh, another thing I thought actually that was really funny about this is as she does that and she walks out the door, because I noticed it in the subtitle. I don't know how much I would have noticed it before, but mm-hmm. there's suddenly a woman chuckling, like kind of loudly. And it made me think, are yeah. they laughing at him? <laughs> like, are they laughing at this situation? <laughs> I thought the exact same yeah, thing. I, I think like, they definitely what? are. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching. I'm pretty these... sure the script said laugh at James. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Poor guy. Woman off screen laughs at James. Yeah. So he does not. Body hits floor. Finishes meal and he gets up to follow her. What, what are you doing, dude? So yeah. Well, he also asks if she has seen Donna, and she says no. Is kind of dismissive, but also isn't sketchy at all with ordering a coffee to go. That's fine for somebody to do. Yeah. And I'm tired of these kids just jumping up and having the exact right amount of money, pulling it out of their pocket and just leaving. I'm sick of these kids just wasting their cherry Cokes and dinners and not finishing their meals. Ungrateful. You know, kids in Twin Peaks, I tell you. Maddie goes to Harold's because that's where Donna is because this is the plan. Donna is reciting a memory to Harold. It's a weird one. This one's a doozy. Yeah. It's a... It's a very coming-of-age tale. Yeah, it quickly establishes a lot about Laura and a little bit about Donna and her her about her insecurity and her and nobody likes her. And it's a strange story. So she tells Harold the story about uh, being what is it, thirteen? Thirteen or fourteen? Thirteen or fourteen. Right. She says both. And they they meet up with three guys and go out one night. They wear their shortest skirts, and that's when Harold looked up. 
Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he stops writing yeah. after that the entirety of the time and just... To undress her with his eyes. Yeah, he just drinks and watches her tell this story. Drinking that freaking wine. Yeah, they're, they've gone to meet with three guys in their shortest skirts. So they're down by the lake and hanging out with the boys and Laura starts dancing and moving her hips back and forth, like really getting the mood Gy- set. Rating. So as Laura gyrates, she gets the attention of these guys, and Donna doesn't like that, so she says, well, let's just get naked. Let's skinny dip. Let's skinny dip. And they do. She she gets naked and goes out into the water. So they're all in the water, nude, and Laura starts kissing two of the guys, but one of the guys comes up to Donna, kisses her. Tim. And, yeah, Tim. Donna says that's the first time she ever fell in love, but she never saw this guy again. That was beautiful, Donna. I want to know what love is in her Foreigner. head. It's naked lake kisses. <laughs> Good lake I agree. Kisses. And it's. <laughs> right. I have Harry and, Harry and Coop. It's time for the assault on one eyed jacks. One eyed jacks. Operation, Operation Get Audrey. Start off awesome and then quickly escalate into just disaster. I love Harry's approach. <laughs> To getting I, inside. I did, but then it like if you break it up into two parts, the first part is awesome. The second part completely counteracts the first part. Well, hey, let's not forget well, though all, that an owl hoots. It's as Harry's approaching this guy that Cooper looks into the woods and sees an owl. They make eye contact and it hoots. Goes Woo-hoo. The spirits are watching. They aren't what they seem. Definitely They're not. not. As they arrive at one eye jacks and find the door that they're gonna be going in through that is lightly guarded. Just one dude. One dude. Harry <laughs> turns to Coop and very constant, confidently says, I got this. I got this. He's done this before. Then he sneaks up on him. He's done this before, right? Yeah, clearly. Has he? He comes up, taps this guy on the shoulder. He spins around, immediately full hand <laughs> junks him. Like, yes. He, he grabs him by the junk so hard the guy can't even scream. But while his mouth's open, he stuffs he just gags a like, sponge ball and then duct tapes that into his mouth. This man is going to suffocate to death. Throws yeah. him into the door, too. Very. <laughs> Knocks him very, out. Very, very, very stealthy. Yeah. Then he Amazing. blasts him, blasts him through the door. <laughs> he just, like, makes the biggest sound ever. If you're going to be quiet. The and door trying to breaks. Be, like, it's a beautiful what's sequence. the point? This is the opposite of a smash and grab. This is a grab Just and smash. Just pull your gun out and shoot him from the freaking bush. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Y- you've already ruined his life. Yeah. He's by rendering a... him sterile. He's ol- oligospermia. Oh, second time. Second time in this episode. Another double. Yep. 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 <laughs> I firmly believe that that is not a double. <laughs> Coop is dressed like he's going on a black ops mission. Right. Because he he's in the FBI. Yes. He's decked out with his... He's strapped... He's got his tactical boots. He's got his strapped his stealth that, pants. The handle of that gun sticks yeah. out like three feet away from his body. Yeah. Just, it, it's a big gun. And it's ridiculous. Like wear a shoulder holster. And I think Harry just put on one of his best Sunday black sweaters over the shirt he already had on. Yeah. So he looks like a stealth dad going in. And once they break past this one guy, it's pretty much a casual stroll to where they're headed. Right. There's a lot of people in this area. This is not that secret of a spot. It's not. You're right. But also nobody's expecting a raid. Right. Because the... Well, actually, I guess I'm confused on the timeline. Is this the time when Coop is supposed to be meeting Gene Renault? 
Yes. But he's still there. Well, right. it's it's not quite time. Yeah, I don't think it's so quite they're, time. So they're hitting it before. Yeah, it's not quite time. Yeah, they've, they've got the jump because they know where Audrey is because of her note. Sure. So they actually are ahead of the game. But they go in here, and there's a bunch of people partying. They could probably just not even sneak. They could just walk through the hallway, not even have to stop and turn well, around. If, maybe if they weren't dressed like, like they're on for an espionage. <laughs> just... If they just reused the tuxedos from, yeah. <laughs> from the one-eyed Jack's raid. You know. Yeah, they just could have been Barney again. Yeah. Just do the Barney thing again. But they roll through, and Cooper runs into Nancy. They they split off. So Truman takes one side. Cooper takes another. Yeah, Truman stays Cooper to watch Nancy. Uh, Jean Renault and Blackie. Cooper finds Nancy, wraps her up, and gets her to take him to Audrey. While Harry watches Jean and Blackie. Tyler, remember what happens with, uh, with Jean and Blackie? Raquiescat and Pache. He kills her ass. <laughs> <laughs> When you leave me with the keys, squelch. Just ridiculous. No, he lays her down, lets her bleed out of the mouth, licks the blood off his own mouth, and then sees Harry because Harry is not hiding. Yeah. No. He's just looking. He's in full view, looking through the door. John pulls out a not silenced gun. I did several freeze frames to check the gun. There is no silencer equipped. Boom. Yes. Yeah. Two very, what the hell? Two very quiet, unsilenced shots at Truman. Come on. And then, well, yeah, they're not silenced. Of course, they're, it's not silenced. Hank knows that there's been gunfire. Yeah, but it sounds silenced. I know. And then nobody I, in the I'm building with, is listen, freaking I'm, out. I'm, I'm I'm with you. There's no gunfire. There's. <laughs> I'm just telling and you. Harry doesn't shoot. <laughs> what I see because on the screen. he dodges, and then somehow Jean Renault from a lying prone position just vanishes. He in, is an assassin. In the span I would not of be surprised if he. Shows up. Well, yeah, of course, of course, he got out of there. He didn't want to bite the bullet, baby. Got it. Bite the bullet, baby. (laughs) He's just gone. So Cooper has his hands full trying to get Audrey. Yes, he does. He brings Nancy in there, finds Audrey, but Nancy's got a trick as well. Yeah, which he spots. um, Is is he turn and spot it? He spots it in a mirror. That he sees it in the mirror for sure. She's got a knife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the stiletto knife. Yeah, and this is great because this is when this is the first time we really ever see Cooper in like some a fun little quick it bit was of action. Really cool. This is FBI Coop for sure. Love FBI Coop. It's great. Um, yeah, man of action. Yeah, takes her down, puts Audrey on his shoulder, and gets out of there. Oh, he doesn't just take her down. He takes her downtown. Nancy comes Mr. to downtown. stab to stab Cooper from behind. He blind reaches behind himself and stops her hand. Yeah, it was really cool. Slugs her in the gut. Yeah, that's <laughs> and lays her out. Darkness yeah, falls and the night's begun. <laughs> Love, Mister. I don't condone violence against women, but he handled her way. with great aplomb, with grace Yeesh. and majesty. She's beauty and she's grace. He drops her on her face. So we've got a successful rescue of Audrey. <laughs> Fireman carry over the shoulder, headed out. Links back up with Truman, who who says, "Hold on, there might be more silent gunfire." Yep. Yes. Two seconds later, no, we're good. Come on. Yep. And then they. I guess just shimmy by Hank to get away. I don't think Hank even got in. Yeah. No, 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 no. He's he's outside. Well, this right, is right. before so all that. So when they get but, outside, they're like, oh, well, hey, Hank, but, we're just going to go. But they didn't get outside yet. They get held up at gunpoint. Oh, yeah. Because this, this is my moment. Yeah, this is a big moment. It's my favorite moment of this whole episode. For sure. Like, they're caught. They're stopped. Yeah. By Is it is it the, the refrigerator? The fridge, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, fridge? the fridge? The big dude. Yeah. The big man. He's got a gun on him. He's like... Turn around. Yeah, what done. are they thinking here? Like they're going to get And they both have these the defeated looks yeah, on I, their I, face. I think they think they've lost yeah. at yeah. this point. 
So they, they turn around and like, all right, we're captured. We're prisoners. I love how we're building this up like people listening haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some have not. Maybe some are in your shoes. But I've seen it. Nobody needs to be listening to this <laughs> if they haven't seen it. If you haven't seen Twin Peaks, go watch Twin Peaks. Catch up. It's a great show. Get on our level. I, I like that Cooper kind of looks at Audrey that he has over his shoulder. Like, oh, man, she's, she's going to get hurt if I turn around. But he doesn't have much of a choice. And that's... He portrays that in his face because Kyle McLaughlin is the best. Yeah, he's really good in this They scene. turn around. They get turned around, and they, they kind of accept their fates. When all of a sudden... But the fridge drops like a sack of bricks. It's very uh, it's very cartoonish, but I love it. It's such a like, it's cartoonish perfect. fall. <laughs> it's like, oh! There's that... And then he just drops. He's got a Bowie knife in his back because Hawk made a great throw. Yeah, Hawk knifed him. It's true. Good thing you boys can't keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah, good thing. That's awesome. He just shows up in like his brightest denim with tassels. Yeah, so he booked is it, that on it is? across the border. I thought it was. It's like a super Native American jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really is. Yeah, it's got so many bright popping Layers. features on it. You can't miss it. But we're not we're not done with this uh, this adventure quite yet. They they get out of there and we see that Hank's watching them and he's on the phone. He's just missed them with Ben. Yeah, telling. I don't him, even think they've passed him yet. And he's like, now that yeah, they got away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tells them too what that they've got the money and Audrey. Yep, they have the case and and your daughter. They're leaving now. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like that's the plan. Yeah. Like, Interesting. When all of a sudden, yeah. someone... Yeah. Uh, Apparently, Jean Renault teleported from his position on the floor to right behind Hank. He's got him. Yeah. I think he, when he escaped the room, he ran outside and just climbed up that tree waiting. Like an owl? Next to that owl. Ooh, maybe he's the owl. <laughs> Holy shit. No, he's definitely the owl. Yeah, He. so he's an owl. <laughs> okay. That's cool. So Jean Renault is an owl. Is, your, an is owl. your theory? Yeah. Okay. But like shape shifting, he can right. all he can, he can he can do both. Yeah. So he's a, he can he's he can an anamorph. Shape shift and be a Frenchman. Oh, man, if I could do two things, it would be those two. <laughs> oh so God. yeah, new theory. Hit me up Twitter at jfishrecord for sure. <laughs> Jean doesn't know who Hank is, right? Because he pulls the ID out and he thinks he's, he's this Logwood. Lockwood. Or Ludwig. Ludwig. You, you messed me up. You messed me up this time. You're jamming me up. He thinks I'm jamming everybody. Yeah. He thinks he's Daryl Ludwig. But yeah. he says he's awfully fat, isn't he? The weight on the ID says like 10,000 pounds or something <laughs> like that. It's it's a lot of weight. I don't understand why, first of all, he would even notice that. Yeah, like, like that's well, I've no heard of about, you. I've heard about L- Daryl Ludwig. He's a big guy. Yeah. Back at, back at Harold's. <laughs> Back at Harold's. Back at Harold's. So here we have... They're looking at orchids. They are looking at orchids. And this is where we get the big, big moment for Harold. Uh, Martin Short is showing us his expertise of his flower knowledge, telling us what are petals and what are something else's and what are labellums. And then... So hold on. Okay. So he brings up the labellum. Like, and one third lip here. Called the labellum. Donna says something. And then he says, actually, it's more of a landing pad. What? No way. He's like, yeah. So mood killed if you're anybody other than Donna. Oh, my gosh. She says, oh, what does she say? What's her line there? Harold's a smooth talker. Yeah. So he mentions the labellum and yeah. points it out. And she kind of touches it. So delicate. Well, actually, 
The, the glasses push. Her- Harold's got a way with words. I know things. I grew up in books. It's a lending platform for pollinating insects. But sure, it's romantic, right? Yeah, this is a big moment for Harold because Donna takes this as the time to make the move. Yeah. I mean, if ever there was a time, this is it. So old Patty LaBellum here decides that <coughs> their first... <laughs> my, it's my nickname in college. That their first kiss should be shared over this orchid. No, they, they share a, a tender kiss over the labellum of the orchid. They do. And then he asks to be excused. Yes. I only almost ass- immediately <laughs> can assume because he has to go like rub one out. That's in the so that's, weird. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be crass, but that's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> because he's an alien. Like, I feel like this man has not ever actually had a proper lover. I mean, I don't know what says his- he has. He says he has. No, lover. he lives in books. <laughs> are you calling him a liar? He lives in books. I'm saying that his dreams are not real. No, I'm. he's calling him a liar. I'm calling him a lover. I'm calling him a dreamer. But dreams are real. Uh, maybe. It's not established as hard fact. This show is going to kill me. While he's out of sh- out of shot, this is when Donna signals Maddie with the flashlight to come in and get the doohickey. Okay. This this should be so fast. It should be so fast. It should be executed way better than it was. The house is so small. The time. The task is so simple. If this alien is a virgin... He's going to be gone maybe 10 seconds. <laughs> she needs to run and get the flashlight, flash it. Maddie doesn't need to be two parking lots over. She needs to be at the window. And she should be moving with a sense of urgency because she has been nursing a large coffee sitting in the bushes since yeah. arrival. Yeah. We know it's large because that's what she ordered. We know that she's been sipping it for the entirety of the scene because it keeps cutting back to her with it in her hands. It's true. Just waiting for the flashlight. So Donna goes and signals Maddie with another, you know, one lumen flashlight. These are the only flashlights that exist in Twin Peaks are flashlights, which only have like two candle power. It bothers me. These children. I do keep forgetting that they're in high school. Yes. These are children playing at being adults, playing at being sleuths who are not socially equipped to pull off this sort of operation. Harold comes back sooner than expected, I guess. Because he terrifies Donna. I mean, I I think he came back at exactly at the right. appropriate time. Yeah, sure. But Donna also is not being subtle, staring through the blinds at Maddie, making sure she does the right thing. You can't even see her. You don't even have faith like, why, in your partner. Do your part. Flash the flashlight. You cannot see outside because it's dark. Yeah, you did your thing. Your role now is to distract the guy whose house you're invading and robbing. Yeah, right. But also, Maddie turns out largely useless. Who knew? Even with a blueprint, even with a diagram, a map of sorts of two rooms, can't find the doohickey to make the shelf do. And by the time she does, it's too late and it's loud. It is. But in a way that it was not loud before. Maybe if she had seen National Treasure 2, this would not be an issue. Just saying. You're absolutely right. That's that's where they messed up. Yeah. That's the big error. She would have been able to find it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. She would know how a doohickey works. But she doesn't know how a doohickey works, and that's how we end up where we do. Because Harold is no fool, even though Donna says, Hey, come, come tell me about this orchid. This one. This one right this here, one right now. Right here. Do this now. Point to the labellum. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Harold, Harold's not buying it. So he 
decides he's going to immediately investigate the other room. And that's where Maddie has already accomplished the mission. She's got it open. She's got the diary. And instead of running out the door where he can't follow, she just stands there and backs up into a corner. Leave the house. She's not smooth. And Donna does the exact same thing for some reason. So he chases them out through the other door to the green room. There were two (laughs) doors. There are two exits. She's had two visions. He jumps out of there like, gotcha. Yeah. Blasts out. They back up into a corner as if they are completely helpless. All you have to do is leave the room. They won't do it. So he rolls up on him and he's, he's furious, of course, because he feels played. Are you looking for secrets? Is that what this is? He chases him out of the room with a hand cultivator, backs him into a corner, accuses him of looking for secrets, and then apparently the biggest secret of all is knowing who killed you. And that was Lara's big secret, which he wouldn't know. He would if it's in her secret diary. But she's not dead yet if she's written in the diary. But did, wait, did, didn't he write the diary? No. Isn't this one of his living novels? No, I think, it, I think it was just her having another. Um, she kept it with him to hide it. Because she trusted yes. him to keep it secret. Why? He's so weird. Well, who's going to go in his house? Donna. Only Donna. Right. Meals. So that's that's why I don't get the line. He says the biggest secret. The ultimate secret. The ultimate secret is what Laura knew, and it's who no, killed you. I think it's I think you. it's two things. Laura knows who killed her, or who would kill her. Or knew her, she was going to be killed by she, whoever. she was going to be yeah. killed by. And then sure. to also say... Could Harold be a suspect now? Well, not until he starts to scrape his own face with the tool. He rakes his face. Yeah. That was freaky. But here's the thing. He doesn't break skin. <laughs> it's very obvious. No, it's like he dipped it in jelly. That's yeah. what he went to the bathroom for? To dip, was to dip his <laughs> yeah. hand cultivator in jelly? That's my favorite thing, though, is when it and first, then I'll set even, it down right here. before he, he oh, even scrapes it down, you actually see a small speck come off like onto his cheek before yeah. he even does it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, and he just kind of paints his face with the tines, but you're led to believe that he is scraping. Yeah, his even though you can also clearly see it, I realize at the time there weren't HD TVs, so maybe it was the yeah. illusion of that. And there was, weren't a lot. There were, you know, there also weren't a lot of practical effects that you could do on television just right, yet. Right. So I, I get the the technical limitations. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not still why still why do this? Because <laughs> it's creepy as. Yeah, because of the, yeah. I think the, I why think say knowing who killed vi- you and then just start the carving into yourself. It's just the visual of it. Yeah, it is. The visual is important for sure. I think that Harold and Jean Renault are of the same species of alien. Oh, they're gonna say Al. Anything else to add to that last scene? That's Ab- the end of the episode. Absolutely not. I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say about it. I don't think I do either. Compared to last week's episode, yeah. This is 10 trillion times better. Might explain why I liked it so much. I, I think uh, I just really loved the climax of everything at One-Eyed Jacks. Um, saving, Coop finally saving Audrey. Um, that whole yeah. that mm-hmm. whole sequence was uh, a very, very fun watch. Um, but yeah, I love this episode. Definitely one of my favorites of, of season two, for sure. This one got me back in. It just it, so many really cool moments. The whole rest of this season is being set up by the last couple of episodes. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into our damn fine line of the night. Actually, I'd like to do some further ado. Just kidding. Let's let's go ahead and get into it. Damn, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. 
Two Chase Jr. <laughs> Thought I'd surprise you with a new one. <laughs> I don't remember that. Play it one more time. I don't remember recording Play it that one more one. time. <laughs> You can rotate up, rotate them out. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that at all. Great. For the, like two months ago. Yep. All right. So let's start with Tyler. What was your damn fine line of the night? I, there were, there were a lot of good moments in this episode, but I couldn't really figure out a line that really grabbed me. Um, but what I went with was when Jean captured Hank and took out his wallet. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just hear that real quick. Now, who can this be? Monsieur Ludwig, he is on the fence. <laughs> it's so weird. Like we talked about it and that's fine, but it's, it just makes Especially no the sense. way you're holding him in the same build as Yeah, you. it's kind of the way that yeah. he's, he's even speaking. He's not like frustrated, you know, that he was seen and with what's going on. He just, he's mm-hmm. speaking like John Renault. All right, uh, Dave, what was your uh, line? So my line came really early and it, it stuck with me. And it's, I think it was the first line of the episode that just gave me joy and made me ready for the rest of it. It's Cooper starting his day. And he's, he's on the record with Diane, and he's going into his yoga routine, and it goes something like this. It's going to begin today with a headstand. <sighs> Diane, I am now upside down. <laughs> so great. I love that. Yeah. I love it so much. Just beat for beat. Diane, I am now upside down. <laughs> I'm holding in my hand a box of chocolate bars. Like what, yep. what does that matter? Every minute detail. This is audio. Yeah, that's great. Like She has to know. She has to know. Uh, my, Patrick, I'm sure you've got a damn fine line. Tonight. I do, and it may be a bit obvious, but uh, I had to go with uh, our boy Andy when he's uh, taking over Lucy's duties. And um, <laughs> he gets the uh, good news. Uh, that he, uh, he's the boxer shorts have paid off. Yeah. That he's happy and healthy and he delivers just like you told me. He delivers what I call a damn fine line. Let's hear it. I'm a whole damn town. I'm a whole damn town. (laughs) It's pretty good. I think my favorite. (laughs) Well, yeah, besides that, I think my favorite one is that second one because I love it because it's like the first one he's super excited. The second one's like the realization of like, oh, yes, like I'm good to go. But that's well, the yeah, second that's one, when Harry walks up. Yeah, the second one is directly to Harry yeah. who is chowing just, on a donut. Yeah, yeah he's probably. just dumbstruck at first. And he just kind of he's like, oh, yeah. smirks at him just like, okay. And yeah, he came over because yeah. he heard him yelling. The and, then he, and then he goes into the office. He's like, congratulations, and buddy. Talk, and says to Coop like, don't ask. So good, so good. <laughs> All right, that was our damn fine lines of the night. Damn fine. I guess to wrap it all up tonight, uh, we go into a segment that we like to call Talking Foreheads. Talking Foreheads. I can't. I just can't. James! All right, so it's time to rate this episode based (laughs) out of five James Hurley foreheads. Uh, it's a segment that's taken quite a life of its own. 
Uh, Dave, how many foreheads you give this? This episode, The Orchid's Curse, was better for me than a couple of others, and it's still not perfect, but I really enjoy it. I'm going to give it three and a half foreheads. Just three and a half. It's a roller coaster of emotions. It is. It really is. Tyler? I actually really enjoyed the episode enough to give it one whole forehead more than Dave gave it. I have it down as four and a half foreheads. Whoa. Just four and a half. I'm, uh, yeah, work. <laughs> cool. Sorry. Sorry. No, that's great. It's fantastic. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> I uh, I love this episode as well. Um, four and a half is a pretty solid score. It's hard for me to actually not give it that, but I just don't want to say the same thing. Um, um, I'm going to give this one four foreheads. Just four heads. And a half. And a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one. It's really four, I love four it. and a half. Yeah, four and a half. I love it. It's great. Okay. <clears throat> All right, word. No, that's great. It's a good episode. I'm, yeah, I'm stoked for it. I, I think that it gives us what we need to keep going forward and great. Talking forehead. Well, thank you for joining us on Talking Backwards for this episode. We, we hope you'll reach out to us on Instagram at Talking Backwards Pod. You can also reach us via the emails at talkingbackwardpod at gmail.com Patrick. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talking Backward. What am I supposed to say? Anchor. We are on Anchor. This has been Talking Backwards the Twin Peaks podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Guys, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. It sounds like this is our last show. What's up? The fact that we're doing this over music and we're just saying thank you over and over. Yep. Thank you. Like thank you everyone who's return. been here since the beginning and thank you for being there at the end. Goodbye forever. Thanks everybody. But he's also a nut job because he did chase them out of that room with a garden trowel. Yeah. Or, or well, what's that one called? It's it's a three pronged tool. Yeah. The trowel's it's like a the shovel. Yeah. Isn't it? This is the uh, it's like an aerator. So he has an aerator and he chases them out of the room with it. It's that three pronged garden thing. For those who don't know what an aerator is, you uneducated swine. A, pedi- a, a pedigree. A pedigree. Yes. For real. Or hand cultivator. Cultivator, I'll take.